Okay, uh, it's good to have Philip Malloy in the studio. He seems to go on forever, now heading into a second decade of uh, right hook movies and television. But of course, Hollywood continues to churn them out. But uh, since we first talked, Philip, even in in twelve or thirteen years, the independent sector has grown and grown, hasn't it? Really, oh, yeah. will be the big thing. Yeah. Um, in fact, we uh, we we have more releases. Um, um, per week and per month and per year now than we ever did before and even though uh, studios like Disney and um, and uh, Universal uh, Universal has is the biggest is the most successful film um, studio this year even though these are all thriving at the same time all uh, you know out on the periphery you have these smaller movies these independent movies all working away I, I meant to say to you like mm. that um, when I was a young movie buff, you know, mm. when I was a kid and then a young adult and so on. You knew who all the executives were at all these companies because mm. they were all famous, like, mm. you know, and yeah. you even knew what they looked like. Why well, well, Why the, I, are they, 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 why is the industry now so anonymous? Well, it, it, I, the, the guys you're talking about were the real pioneers. You know yeah. the the Goldwins and the Jack Warners and Zanuck and, and all and, these and, guys and people that were tyrants like Harry Cohn who ran Columbia Pictures. So these were all they, they were pioneers. They actually pushed out the kind of boundaries. No matter what you say about them, they pushed out the boundaries of what was allowable and possible and achievable uh, in the cinema. Uh, so th- they they were the guys that ran ran the studio. Then the studio system, the old studio system, the system by by which you had all these people like Clark. Gay and Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepp under contract uh, that disappeared and a new uh, freer kind of system came in where where um, you know, we talked before um, about actors setting up their own production companies like Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster and Jimmy Stewart and even the likes of Gregory Peck. Um, so that ten, and eventually then in the late sixties and into the seventies and the seventies is a is a is a, a very interesting period um, in the history. It's generally considered to be the second sort of golden age of American cinema. But all kinds of possibilities came on stream then. All of these. Um, uh, these filmmakers poured out of the film schools like the George Lucases, like the Spielbergs uh, and even some of them were teachers in film schools like Scorsese and uh, uh, so uh, they, they all influenced the shape and the direction and what was happening in the cinema. And the, the cinema in the 70s, is, uh, if you actually look back on it, um, it's a very, very impressive uh, period. But anyway, your, the answer to your question is that is that uh, it, it, it wasn't sort of one individual that ran a studio anymore. It was a collection of people, you know. And they tended, they tended uh, if you look back again over the history, the more recent history of the cinema, they, they tend to be like, um, uh, okay, as you say, they're a bit anonymous, but they tend to last maybe for three or four uh, years at a time, and then they go off on their own. They do uh, deals with the studios and go off, become independent producers, and so All on. All right, okay. Yeah. Well, have we got a good movie coming out of Studio <laughs> Land or coming out of Independent Land? Well, uh, uh, okay. First of all, it's um, it's it's called Legend. It's directed by a writer director that that I spoke to last week. A very interesting guy called Brian Helgeland. He won the Oscar uh, for L.A. Confidential. Remember L.A. Confidential? Yeah. He won the Oscar for that. And it's the story of the Cray brothers, the Cray twins in South. London in the 1950s uh, and 60s, late 50s and 60s. 
And it, you, I don't know if you remember um, a, a version of this story in 1990, directed by a guy called Peter Medic, but it was it starred two brothers, two real brothers, Gary and Martin Kemp, who were members of a group called Spandau Ballet. But the movie, that movie was dominated by Billy Whitelaw. Remember Billy Whitelaw? Oh, the woman, she, yeah. yeah. Well, she played their she played their mother in it, and she was a kind of tyrant. She was that's the way she was uh, she was portrayed on the screen. She actually drove. Them. She was the. She laid down the rules, and um, but what has happened now is this version is is much is much different. In fact, it's told from the point of view of a woman, a character called Frances Shea. Uh, she's an Australian actress played by em- the actress is Emily Brown- Browning, who's an Australian actress, and she plays uh, Reggie's. Uh, Reggie uh, Cray's wife in it so we see an awful lot of the story and the film um, from uh, her point of but, view uh, but a huge number of the people going to watch this movie know the story won't know the story well, isn't that right like they, I mean we knew our generation knew who the Crays were because they appeared on the front page of our newspapers yeah, but George so that's, what they're, that's what they're counting on they're counting on um, uh, modern cinema goers not knowing the story okay, okay? so an awful lot of the story uh, as we know it uh, the uh, the rows and the uh, competition between the Crays the Crays called their gang the firm between the firm and the Richardson gang in South London that was an ongoing war all the time and then uh, you had various uh, things like uh, the attempts of the mafia to actually come into London they saw London um, as the Las Vegas of Europe so they wanted to get in uh, then there were political controversies there was a, a scandal involving a Tory peer called Lord Bootby do you remember him? Oh of course yeah, I do yeah that, that. and then there was a He was a well known adulterer yeah, that's think, right, wasn't that's, he? That's right that's right yeah. did, did, did he have an affair with Macmillan's wife was it? No? I'm not sure. Bob, anyway, but, but it was uh, Robert yeah, Bob, Bobby, yeah. Bob, that's right. And yeah. but he, he was. He wasn't a very I, nice person. No, I'm not sure if he was a switch hitter, whether he liked boys <laughs> and women, but he certainly liked boys as well. And then there's a uh, there's a cop called Jack the what's it called Jack Nipper Reed, and he's played in the movie by Christopher Eccleston, and he is relentlessly obsessed with the craze, and he's on their tail the whole time. Right. The, the it, it's it's quite well done. It's very well structured and nicely paced. But the real thing about it, the real strength of it, uh, is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy actually plays both. Uh, All right, and cra- All right. And, um, sorry, Brian yeah. Helgeland was telling me that the business and the technology of of doing a movie like that hasn't changed significantly since um, Haley Mills did it in the parent trap member in the 60s. Oh, the idea of somebody talking uh, uh, to themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Still so, the same. So there's, one, there's, one, uh, there's one sequence in it where there's a row, a fight between the two brothers in a nightclub. Um, and it's, it's, it's Hardy and a stuntman, obviously, in that. But generally speaking, uh, R- uh, Ronnie Cray is, is, is a psychopath. And the, the brother Reggie then, Slimmer, um, he's more, he's more, he's, he's, he's almost, he has kind of film starish qualities and he's very charming and uh, he, he, uh, he, he woos obviously his this wife. This was and, placed in tremendous strain in an actor, I would have thought. Because, no, absolutely. Because you have two physical changes, you yeah. have a slimmer version and a larger yeah. version yeah. And, and then you're playing both parts, yeah, and, and talking to yourself that, as it were, because then you have to go over to the other side to be filmed there. And and the thing about it is that he, he it actually the way he portrays he seems like two sides of the same coin like you know, um you actually see him as one individual but you also con- consider him as 
two individuals. Okay. And it's very, very well done. It's I think it's the best thing that Hardy has done. Okay. So you can I, one, you, yeah. There's one thing I wanted to say to yeah. you before I forget. Yeah. Is when the craze were in their heyday and you and I were reading about them in the papers. Mm. We didn't know anything about gangland or gangland killings, right? And that was something that happened yeah. away from Ireland. It's really interesting now that an Irish movie audience that reads in its papers every day about gangland killings and everything in Ireland oh, yeah. will be much more, in a way, in tune with what went on in South London Thirty or forty years ago mm. than we were, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you think? yeah, 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 yeah. But the other thing you found out, you found that actual film stars went yeah. to meet right. them. Um, I don't know if you remember a Richard Burton film called Villain, and again, this was this he was this gay London gangster um, played by Richard Burton, and again, he had a kind of mother obsession, and he went. Um, to uh, to Broadmoor Prison to see uh, Ronnie Cray to talk to him while while he was preparing it. And at the same time, as the same with James Fox, he met Ronnie Cray while the twins were being held in HM Prison, Brixton, and uh, he was preparing preparing for his role in performance. So they were allowed in to see these guys uh, to I don't know to research their roles, you know. Yeah, I, I would have thought it'd be fairly difficult to get in to to a prison like Brixton, you know, even though you are a famous uh, but movie the, star. Yeah, these guys were in there for a long time and they were going to be in there for a long time and there was no possibility of them getting out. Okay, all know? right. Um, you, Woody Allen, new movie? Yes. He, he's almost as prolific as your pal Clint Eastwood. <laughs> no, no he, well, he, he does. And I wish he wouldn't to some extent. He, I, I, I wish, just wish he wouldn't. He does a movie every year. Uh, this is, he's 79 now. This is his, um, his 50th year uh, writing and directing and appearing in movies. As I say, he does one a year. Now, he did one a couple of years ago called Blue Valentine, which was superb, I thought. Um, Kate Blanchett won the, the the Oscar for it, and uh, uh, it actually had substance. It had real substance, and it was a full, a fully rounded uh, movie. But what he tends to do then is he he, he goes back to these. Okay, there's one out now that we're talking about this week called Irrational Man. And it feels, even though it's about a philosophy professor at this uh, Rhode Island college, and, you know, Kierkegaard and Heidegger and Kant and Simon de Bouvier, these are all discussed in it, discussed in it uh, as part of the dialogue. This is heavy juice. Yeah, well, well, it feels... As I, that's exactly my point. As we're talking about it, it feels like heavy duty stuff. But if you actually go into the cinema and watch it, it feels... You know, very uh, disposable. Does it? You know, it does. It doesn't really amount to much. So I, and again, uh, yeah. again, again, it's very much he's re, he's um, uh, uh, revisiting old territory, especially a movie that he did called Crimes and Misdemeanors. And it's about this, as I said, this college professor played by uh, Joachim Phoenix, who overhears a conversation in a diner um, uh, about a judge. And the judge is supposed to be corrupt and he's supposed to be denying um, a woman access to her own children because of a friendship that he has uh, with her husband. And so the, uh, the the college professor begins with one of his students to discuss the possibility of killing the judge. Uh, so it's about the, a kind of question of the morality of doing that. Uh, I have to say I was I was bored with it. 
and it doesn't amount to much. And I'm an old, long-time Woody Allen fan, but I was bored with this. Oh, well, if you're bored with yeah. it, uh, uh, Ryan Tuberty won't like <laughs> it at all. Because well, no, he, he doesn't, he doesn't like, like Woody Allen. You know, he doesn't like yeah. even the good ones. Yeah. Uh, you saw a movie this morning? Yeah, I saw Everest this morning. Documentary now, Everest? No, 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 no. Absolutely studded with stars. Uh, really? Yeah, Jason Clark, uh, Josh Brolin, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, all kinds of people in it. And... Uh, it's about the uh, the 1996 uh, um, disaster in which I think it's eight or nine people were killed on Everest, and uh, it's 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 kind of fascinating um, uh, in that it, there was a company that, uh, that calls uh, Adventure Consultants that actually charges people, George, to bring people up to uh, to the top to, to Mount Everest. Well, every Tom, Dick, and Harry's going up to Everest now. I well, mean, there's something like thousands of people climb it every year. Well, well this in, in Most this... Most of them Japanese, I understand. Yeah, well, in this case, uh, there's a reference at one stage uh, from one of the Americans who's played by Josh, Josh Brolin, how he paid $65,000 in order to get on this. And it's, it's as I say, it's uh, 1996, and it's um, they're, they're supposed to arrive at the summit on the 10th of May. Uh, uh, what, what happens is they take on, I think, is 19 different groups at the same time time so these call ca- they cause all kinds of problems the main thing about it is I don't think it's particularly tense uh, the, I, the accident would be well known even the numbers of people and how they died would probably be well known what's most striking about it is the look of the film I saw it in IMAX in uh, Cineworld uh, this morning the look of the film the locations and how impressive they are um, yeah, but you can't make a movie on locations. No, no, you, you, know, need, you, need, you need more. You need, you need, you need, you need, yeah, you yeah. need to, you need to be involved with the lives of the characters, and you're not probably involved enough. All right, okay. Yeah. We have some listeners' queries I wanted to ask you yeah. about. Brian Delaney is talking about Spotlight. What Spotlight? Well, Spotlight, in fact, Spotlight is the the name of a group of investigative journalists on the Boston Globe. And one of the things, they, obviously they were well known for a lot of things, but one of the things they're best known for um, is an investigation that they did into the child abuse in the Catholic Church in the Diocese of Boston. And it's very, very, it's it's getting um, a lot of attention at various uh, film festivals at the moment. And it's out here on the 29th of January. So it's expected, to, it's, it's a really strong uh, ensemble cast in it. Good uh, script by a guy called Tom McCarthy, who also directs it. Uh, I, I have to say I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and then Sandra Cummins heard us talking about Walt Goggins from yeah. Justified a few yeah. weeks ago. She wants to know what he's doing now or next. Now, Walt Goggins was also, in the, he's, he's the guy from The Shield mm. and then in turn from Justified. He's he's the really bad guy mm. in Justified. But they kind of spiked up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's he doing? Well, he's, first of all, he's in one uh, that came out last week called American Ultra. Uh, we'll see him next then on the 8th of January in The Hateful Eight, which is that Western made by Tarantino. And he's also co- completed one called Diablo George, which stars uh, Scott Eastwood, who's Clint's son. And uh, it's about an American Civil War veteran who goes in search of his kidnapped wife after the war. 
Uh, so, sounds interesting. But um, uh, Scott Eastwood, by the way, is developing a very handy little film career. All right, okay. So Walt Goggins in a film called Diablo. Yeah. Uh, of course, you would remember Duel at Diablo. Would yes, you yes, Duel at Diablo with James Garner and uh, Sidney Poitier. Uh, nice, a great, and, a great music, and great, great music. And you're <laughs> leaving out the key guy. Who's the key guy? The Scottish guy. Oh yes, the yes, army yes, officer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't remember yeah, his can't name. Remember, I can't remember his name yeah, either. You, you never remember his name. I've told you his name before. But, but I saw the first movie he ever made. Right. Yes. And I was a kid at school, and I just got interested in Bill. in weight training. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was a film called Jordi. Oh, yeah. And Jordi he was tossing was, the caber in it, wasn't he? Well, he was putting the shot in the Olympics. Yeah, oh, was he? close, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, he uh, takes a weight training course from a company that I had taken <laughs> a postal course from as well. Oh, I so I was watching Jordi. And then he he was also, f- with his wife, he mm. was about that line. Born free, born, born free. free. That's yeah. it. What was his wife's name? We can't remember her either. Yeah, she's... <laughs> The audience listening are having yeah. great fun with these two old fellas who can't mm. remember a name. Steven Spielberg's next movie. Uh, yeah. just a lot of people asking about that. Yes, it's called Bridge of Spies, and I, I imagine that's a pun on Bridge of Size. And it's the Gary Powers uh, spy plane story. Um, remember the, the the U-2 spy plane that landed in Russia, and they, he was, Gary Powers was, basically captured by the Russians uh, this stars Tom Hanks and it's due out on the 16th of October and uh, Spielberg by the way is currently uh, uh, working in post-production on BFG which is a, a movie that reunites him with uh, the E.T. Um, uh, writer Melissa Matheson she was married to Harrison Ford for a long time and Spielberg is in pre-production on Ready Player One uh, uh, this is a story about the creator of a popular video game. Uh, he dies, and a virtual contest is created then to compete for uh, for his millions. Now, the interesting thing here is Hanks and Spielberg seem to be uh, continually mm. uh, working together, don't they, as yeah, actor director? Yeah, yeah, they've worked together um, quite a bit. They like each other. They get on very well together. Uh, I gather their families are close. And um, uh, he's the kind of actor, he, um, Hanks is the kind of everyman actor that um, Spielberg likes. So they have, they've, they've made quite a few. Yeah, films. because interestingly, I was at Electric Picnic this weekend doing Blind Date on very, Sunday. Very good. But we, we in, in the News Talk Lounge, we showed Big. Do you remember Big Tom Hanks oh, yes. was in that? Yes, Do you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. We showed that. Now train... I'm trying to think of that woman's name. I'm I'm distracted now. I'm trying to think of that <laughs> actress's name. She's from Carver Name with Pride as well. Remember Carver? Virginia name? McKenna. McKenna. That's what Virginia. It is. Yeah. You go, oh, well yes, yes, done. Yes. Now, uh, Train Spotting. We have a sequel. Yes. Uh, the, now this has been discussed for ages. Uh, the, the, the the long um, awaited follow up uh, to. Um, to, to train spotting and Danny Boyle uh, the director Danny Boyle he's been out publicising his latest movie Steve, Steven, Steve Jobs uh, which is getting an awful lot of very positive attention by the way and he said that all four actors that's Ewan McGregor Robert Carlyle Johnny Lee Miller and Kevin McKidd they wanted to do the sequel and the, uh, 
uh, he, he, he's announced it as his next movie. That's Danny Boyle announced it as his next movie. He said the only problem is, um, is scheduling. Miller is committed to that TV series Elementary and McKidd plays one of the lead roles in Grey's Anatomy. But what they're thinking of is the hiatus period on television between March and July of next year. They have a script by John Hawke who wrote the original script and uh, uh, Boyle is saying that he's very, very impressed with it. He loves the script. And uh, so, did uh, you like the original? I did. Uh, I, right from the go, right the get go. Remember the get, he running through the uh, Princess Street in Edinburgh. Yeah, uh, the cops chasing a human. A well-known rugby pundit was a huge fan of that. Of yeah. Transpotting. Yeah, Neil Francis. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Neil Francis was a huge fan. Indeed. Probably because Neil Francis was a fan. I wasn't a fan, if you know what I mean. I, I know your history with it, Neil Francis. Yeah, but anyway, hold on now. Yeah. Interestingly, a uh, the 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 um, James Bond. I played the music on the show yesterday. Which Sam the new Smith, one? Yeah, the new one, did you? Oh, did Sam you? Smith has been announced. Yeah. You yeah. know Sam Smith. You probably both worked for the Independent. Well, it's not together. that Sam Smith. It's not that Sam Smith. I'm uh, sure Sam is uh, loving. A all fine the journalist attention. that he is. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, okay. It was announced yesterday. It's it's um, uh, writings on the wall. That's by Sam Smith. Sam Smith is one of. Uh, loads of awards in recent times, and his uh, his records have been selling in in millions. Uh, he, uh, anyway, it was revealed that um, he 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 and he basically explained that he had been called in to see Barbara Broccoli. Uh, Barbara Broccoli, as you know, is the producer of the Bond movies, the daughter of Cobby Broccoli, who actually started the whole thing out. Called into his office by her and the director Sam uh, Mendes. They gave him a script and said. Have uh, have a go at the song. That's the way. It so was he in. wrote the song. Uh, have a go at the song. So wow, he he, that's he wrote. He, he wrote yeah. Now he's supposed to have written it. He said he wrote it in twenty minutes. I mean, I, I don't know uh, whether that's the case or not. Well, you write your script for the uh, uh, the, the Wednesday movies mm. in twenty minutes. Maybe mm. you should try turn your hand <laughs> to songwriting. <laughs> to songwriting, yeah. It'd be more. You uh, make more money. Anyway, it's for Spectre, and Spectre is out on the twenty sixth of October. Uh, and one of the interesting things. About about it is it's been premiered at the Royal Albert Hall in London and one of the things about it is that you can within 30 minutes of the movie's premiere at the Royal Albert Hall it'll be shown at cinemas all over the world <clears throat> if you want to see it quickly and early and by the way you may I've noticed that Daniel Craig it's Daniel Craig's fourth outing is Bond and he's saying that it may be his last alright ok uh, there also is a box set of every single Bond ever made mm. I have that box set but I haven't did a Blu-ray yeah, this a, is now in Blu-ray there's a new one so you'll there. see Ursula Andress in all her glory uh, yeah, all her glory and there's over 120 hours of special uh, features in it including two all new featurettes and a 90 minute documentary and by the way, the picture show is at six o'clock on Saturday evening. Is it really? Yes. Well, you have about 60 seconds to talk about yeah. Richard Brooks, Black and White. Richard Brooks, Black and White. Well, it's okay. It's uh, um, uh, it, it's uh, it, Richard Brooks. When you say black and white, it's a black and white film. It's called In Cold Blood. It's based on a, a, a book by Truman Capote. And I think it's Richard Brooks's best uh, picture. It's about these two ex-cons. Uh, they're out on parole, parole and they decide to rob a farmer, uh, a, a farmhouse. And what they do is they kill the farmer, his wife and two kids. And it's about the search for him, the trial and their conviction. And uh, it's really worth seeing. All right. Uh, it's, 
it's it's coming into the IFI, by the way. Now. I IFI this Friday. Well, as Philip has mentioned, he's got the picture show at six o'clock on Saturday here on News Talk. The sound engineers were Michael Quilligan and Peter Malloy. The production team was Emer O'Shea, Joe Coffey, and Alex Russo. The the producer was Mark Simpson. But for me now, it's good night and goodbye.